Over the last couple of weeks, I have been exchanging emails with a listener, Anna, in California. And during that time, my planned interview for this week had to be postponed. And so in the course of our conversation, I emailed her and said, hey, my interview for this week had to get postponed. Uh, do you have any questions that maybe you would like for me to answer on the show? So she sent me a really great email, and I'm going to read a portion of this to you. The big question for me is, how do you release or balance the emotional weight of the job so it doesn't accumulate over time? If I'm open and present during my visits, then I'm touched by the weight of what patients and families are going through. And she quotes, find your sacred activity is good advice. And I want to know what your sacred activity is. Having everything done so that you can, to some extent, leave it at the door when you come home is also practical approach. What else? Rituals, debriefs, therapy, spiritual practice? This is James Dibbon, and welcome to the Hospice Nursing Podcast. Well, hello, fellow nurses all across America, fellow hospice nurses specifically, and welcome to your show. That's right. This is the show dedicated specifically to hospice nurses, the only show where we provide practical help for hospice nursing success. So welcome and I am so glad to have you here. My name is James Dibbon with Confessions of a Nurse.net, and I am your host for this show. So I thank you for taking the time to download and listen to this show. And just don't forget to visit Confessions of a Nurse.net to learn about how to contact me, to check out my about page so you can kind of see who James Dibbon is and what he is doing. So I thank you for joining us today, or I should say me. And so now in my last podcast episode, when I interviewed Chris, who runs the hospice nursing support group on Facebook, towards the end, she started talking about her sacred activity, that activity that she has that no matter what, she makes sure she is able to you know, do that activity. And for her, it's her horses and horse riding and and just her passion for horses. And during that episode, I said that my uh, sacred activity was podcasting. And I'm really good about speaking before I'm, I think like I feel this need to answer questions instantly. And sometimes I don't always stop and think about them a little bit. And so because, you know, since then I've had more time to think about it. Uh, and today I'm going to share with you what actually is my sacred activity as I thought more about it and realized, wait a minute, as much as I love to podcast and I do, and, and I don't get paid for this, 
uh, and really don't really care one way or the other. I just enjoy doing it. I enjoy helping the nurses out there who've reached out to me and said how useful this show has been for them uh, to help them have balance or give them strategies for better success. And that's all I really need. Um, to be honest with you, that that's payment enough. If I can help a few nurses out there be more successful at this work and maybe stay with it and be able to develop that work-life balance that we all need, that's good enough for me. So as much as I love doing this and I really do, and it's been fun to get back into podcasting, I want to share with you more about what my sacred activity is. And so, uh, this show is going to be a little bit different and I thought long and hard if I wanted to do this because I think I always feel like when you start talking about this kind of stuff, it can become, you can maybe chase some people away because on this show, I'm going to talk about the importance of my faith and what part that has played in my hospice nursing career and in my life and how it is beneficial and how it, well, it serves me for this kind of work. And I don't want people who aren't Christians or, you know, have some kind of a faith that might be the same as mine. I don't want you to feel like I believe this is something like everybody should be doing right now. Um, maybe to a certain degree I do because it lines up with my faith to, to believe that other people would benefit and have a better life if they were Christians as well. But you know, this is not the theme of the show necessarily, but if somebody is going to ask me what my sacred activity is, then today's show is going to be my honest response to that. And I hope it becomes beneficial to you because I'm just going to explain how it has, how it has helped me. Um, and it's also going to provide you with some strategies to help you as well, whether or not you claim to be a person of faith or not. I think that some of the concepts I'm going to mention today are things that are beneficial for you as well. Um, and when I say Christian, that can kind of mean anything, can't it? Um, because, you know, there's a large percentage of Americans that claim to be Christian, and but that can mean different things to different people. Generally speaking, it does mean follower of Christ. And so, but there's lots of denominations out there, right? And so I have spent, I am 50 years old as of last year, so I get to turn 51 in August of this year, but I have spent 43 years, That's actually that's wrong, I've spent 47 years of my life involved in church. My parents got me involved in church by the time I was three, that's when they started going to church and doing those kinds of things, and I've spent 43 years of my life going to church and I'm a non-denominational person, so to some of you that might mean something, and to others you might be going, I don't know, all Christians are the same or whatever. Um, but I'm not a Bible-thumper type person, and in hospice we're not supposed to be, right? Like, we have a chaplain that's a non-denominational interfaith uh, type chaplain. I mean, each chaplain might have their own faith, but their job is... Uh, here in hospice is to meet all of our patients where they are and patients who have a certain kind of faith. They need to meet those needs either themselves or through the community. Uh, but this job is not a place to evangelize. And so 
nobody listening to this should hear James saying that, you know, I'm a Christian and my I go into every single home and try to convince them to become Christians as well. That is not true. That is not the case. That is the opposite of what I want to see in hospice because that doesn't benefit our patients. And Medicare is not paying me to go in and try to save everybody uh, from their sins. So that is not what I'm talking about. But I'm going to explain how my faith has impacted my work life and made me the kind of employee that I hope the people I work with are happy to have with them. Um, and I think this quote is really good. It's called, it's, it says, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. And there's been a lot of, I don't know who said that. We're going to call it anonymous because as I was trying to do research, there's a lot of debate on whoever said it and people saying it wasn't said, but I think it's a good quote. And I think the important thing is, I think it's just as important how we behave as it is what we say, because we can say one thing and behave another. And if they don't go together, then we lose, uh, you know, we lose our audience, whoever that may be. Um, so, one of the big changes that I experienced in my life was several years ago, and as I talked about in episode number two with my friend Mike, uh, the stress and anxiety and even the depression that I faced, uh, and even maybe some suicidal thoughts that I faced back in 2007, 2008, uh, one of the big things that I changed during that time and discovered, I discovered my love of podcasting then. But I also found a, a series that I thought was really amazing, and it's a, like a sermon series, a six-part sermon series called Taking Care of Business. And the whole series is centered around how to manage your work and your faith at the same time, and how to um, behave at work or be at work in a way that honors your faith without maybe being obnoxious about it or... Um, as well as maintaining your character and integrity. Uh, so that series is called Taking Care of Business. I'm going to make sure I have that download for those of you who do want to hear something like that. I found it to be very encouraging and very uplifting and very beneficial and helped me kind of develop this new faith and work balance and I found it to be very very beneficial where I am now and and what I do for a profession now so I will make that I'll make a link to that in the show notes and I'll make sure there's a menu item at confessions of a net so that you can download and listen to it yourself so so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through about six different concepts or ideas if you will that have helped me that my faith and how pursuing that faith has helped me at work. And I hope this will be beneficial for you as well for you to just ponder and think about as you're maybe driving between visits today or doing some work around the house or whatever it is, whenever it is you listen to your podcasts, let's have some things to think about here. And the first one has to do with why I tend to you know why I probably haven't gone more than a couple, two to three weeks in my entire life without being in some kind of a worship service on a Sunday, on a Sunday morning. And uh, so my, my thought for that is repetition is a mode of learning. 
and it involves a law of cumulative effect. And we've talked about that on this show a little bit, how good behaviors or developing positive habits that you do day in and day out or week in and week out that over time, those will have a long standing positive effect in your life. It's like going to the gym for one day and going home going, I didn't lose any weight. My heart rate stayed super high. This working out thing is dumb. Well, you have to go every single day. You know, it's like you don't just take a bath one time. You have to bathe daily to stay clean, right? It's kind of the same thing. Um, the, my repetition of every single week, going and learning and pursuing something bigger than myself and, you know, reminding myself of my place in the universe, if you will, and that I'm not the center of the universe, that there's someone else who is the center of the universe, and it's not me. But that, you know, it's it's important that I have made this, uh, like, grow, when my kids were growing up, nobody ever said, well, Dad, are we going to go to church this weekend? They knew. They knew we were going to go to church together as a family, a place to renew ourselves and a place to regenerate and learn how we can be better human beings. Um, another thing that being uh, what my faith is and going to church every single week and what that has done with for me is I stay in touch with my own problems, or you could even say with my own brokenness. And I think the more I can stay in touch with my own shortcomings and my, my own inabilities, that will help me to be not so judgmental of other people because I think it's easy to do. Um, it can be, especially in this work. Sometimes I think because we are in and out of so many different homes and we see different ways that people live or different ways that people communicate to each other. And I feel like I could easily become judgmental of other people if I don't stay in close contact with my own issues and my own areas of my life, I can get better at. And for me, over my lifetime, I've just found benefit in going to church, learning more about what God expects of me towards other people. And I've continued to grow myself in my faith. Um, but I also stay very aware of, yeah, man, I, I have improvement to make in that area. And I find myself being less judgmental of other people the more I judge myself, for lack of a better word. And I think it's real easy. If we're not careful, we can judge other people. And I, I think I mentioned this a few episodes ago, but we tend to judge others by the results that we see, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. And we, and so we think to ourselves, well, you know, that didn't turn out well, or I probably could have said that nicer to a person, but I was, I didn't mean to say it like that. Uh, so I'm okay. You know, it's not a big deal, even if maybe we hurt somebody or hurt their feelings or whatever, but then we see how somebody else behaves and we just judge them based on the results or what we can see rather than what their intentions might be. And so by being a person of faith for me and attending regular church services, I am able to kind of engage with my own shortcomings, as it were. And it doesn't mean I go to a church where the pastor beats you up over the head all day long and tells you what you're doing wrong. Uh, thank goodness Julie and I have never, Julie's my wife, 
I ever mentioned her? Anyway, we've never hunted down those kinds of churches because if you leave a church feeling beat up or guilty or mistreated, then that church is not using God's word correctly because you should not leave uh, a worship service feeling worse than when you walked in, that you're in a bad spot if that's what's happening. Um, This is... Number three on my list is probably one of my all-time favorites um, because it's in reference to an aunt that I loved dearly that I lost several years ago. Um, she she just got real ill and just couldn't recover from it. Um, but she always saw what somebody could become, not necessarily who they were at a time at the time. And as I read and study God's word in my life, I realize that God is this way towards all of us. God is not, a lot of people have this view of God as being, um, you know, this guy up in heaven who is looking down and maybe laughing at us or beating us up or telling us how terrible we are. And that's not the God that I know. The God that I know says, I can see you for who you can become not who you necessarily are. And this helps me relate to my patients and caregivers in the same way that I can see them for who they can become, not necessarily for the struggles or challenges they're having right now. And I think that if we, if we really make that an important focus, and when I mentioned my aunt joy, she was that way with me. She was very much somebody who always spoke positivity over me. And anytime I went to her for advice, she would, I always felt lifted up and encouraged when I left her presence because she was always believing in who I could become and what I could do. And I could go to her with my concerns or questions or problems. And she would always just lift me up. And she, um, She like demonstrated that in my life. And I try to take that out to every single patient's house that I go to, to go there and sit with them and look at them and say to myself, I know they are having these struggles now, but I know who they can become. I know that they are capable of caring for this person. And as I, you know, as I've talked about on this show before our job to empower our caregivers and lift them up. And there's a phrase like speak things that are not as though they were, that can be kind of confusing to listen to. But if you think about that and our patients or our, I mean, our caregivers, are we speaking to them and helping them believe that they are capable of accomplishing what it is we're asking them to accomplish because so many of them can, they're just afraid or maybe they need more, need to understand more or believe more. Uh, I recently had a patient's family who was really freaking out because he was declining kind of quick and he was starting to become bedbound, and they're like, we're not going to be able to do this at all. And I had to help them understand that they really were only going to have to do it for about a week. And they didn't realize that in their mind, they thought this patient would be bed bound and need 24 hour care for months, 
months and months until we really started to dig in and I helped them understand, hey, listen, you guys can do this. You just have to rally the troops for maybe just a week. And they were able to do that. And by helping, by empowering my caregivers and educating them and speaking to them as though they are able to accomplish more than they think they can, I can go home at night knowing I did all that I could do, that I, I, you know, lifted them up. I spoke abilities to them beyond what maybe they think for themselves they could do. And I empowered them and I can go home now and have my evening with my family, knowing that I educated and I taught and I did everything I can to help them feel like they can accomplish more than they real than they ever thought they could. Um, so point number four on the list is respect all persons. Now, if I can try to say this right, I've got a couple of quotes and some things here. I'm going to add to this one. I've been really looking forward to this one. Um, but it can be really, really easy. I talked a little bit early about the kind of hard environments we have to go into and seeing the way some people live can be challenging sometimes in hospice because we don't live the same way that they live. And I'm not talking about situations where patients are being neglected or whatever. I'm talking about environments that aren't the cleanest or the neatest or the nicest and our patient and caregivers are choosing to live that way and we don't necessarily understand it and maybe they live in poverty whether they've chosen that for themselves or not and it can be real easy to start looking at them differently or beneath us that is something that everybody can be challenged with i don't think I don't think anybody listening to this can sit around and go, oh, I've never looked at somebody else in my whole life and thought that I was better than them. I think that's just natural human behavior. We can just very easily see somebody as less than ourselves. I think everybody's guilty of that, whether we want to admit it to ourselves or not. Um, But from a a spiritual standpoint, I think there's some interesting things to consider and this is what I do for me and I don't know if everybody else needs to do this but if you're somebody who believes in an afterlife of some kind where our bodies are whole and we're completely healed and we have like whatever that means to you I think I I dug up some interesting quotes that are worth sharing and I'll be sure to include these um, on uh, in the show notes so you can look at them and read them as well but they are from c.s lewis in his book the weight of glory now c.s lewis was friends and contemporaries with the j.r.r tolkien lord of the rings guy so many of you may know that some of you may not but he was a deep thinker and some of these words might be kind of big (laughs) and i may stumble over them because i am not a big word or a big word guy But I want to share a couple of these quick quotes with you and maybe talk about them just a little bit because this is like if you meet James Dibbon or you work with James Dibbon, um, this is going to help you understand my thought process and how I am going to look at you 
and think about you and treat you and how this has motivated me to be this way with our patients, our families, our caregivers, everybody. So let me read this to you, okay? This is C.S. Lewis. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. So if you believe in an afterlife, then you've never talked to a mere mortal, he's saying. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. So nations and cultures, arts, civilizations, those all come to an end, he's saying. But if you're somebody who believes in the afterlife, then people go forever. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. This does not mean that we are to be perpetually solemn, so just don't be depressed all the time, or overly serious. We must play, but our merriment must be of the kind which exists between people who have, from the onset, taken each other seriously. And then he goes on to say this, It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses, to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw them now, would be strongly tempted to worship. So what he's saying is, if you could see each other now, the way we will be with our eternal bodies, you would almost be tempted to worship them. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities. It is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all our dealings with others, all friendships, all love, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. That's a lot to take in right there, isn't it? And if I can play this out a little bit more for you, especially if you are somebody who is a Christ follower and believe in the Christian tenets of faith, Catholic and many of the any 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 faith in America that claims to be a Christian, it comes down to Jesus dying on the cross, right? Like if we're going to get technical here for a second. So let me say this to you. Every single person that you come face to face with is someone for whom Christ died. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I have had some members at the hospice nursing community request some kind of a support group to help fight burnout. And so I have started two burnout support groups at the hospice nursing community.com uh, just to help everybody. And so these support groups meet twice a month on the second Thursday and the second Sunday of the month. And so we're going to be doing that. And I wanted to make sure you understood or knew that these will be faith friendly 
support groups. And it doesn't mean they'll be preaching or anything strange like that. But I might use devotionals. I might pull something out of the Bible, maybe out of Psalms or something. But just there might be sections of the uh, of the group that deal with matters of faith. And, and I hope that is of interest to you. Uh, it can be found in the community events uh, section of the community. So if you would consider joining, I think it would help you. It's going to help me. I need it, I think, as much as anybody does. So join a burnout support group at thehospicenursingcommunity.com. That person standing in front of you was so important that God sent his son to die for them. Does that change the way you see people around you? the way you talk with them, the way you interact with them in person or through social media. If before you typed out that next message, if before you walked into your next patient's home, if you stopped for a second and remembered as you walked in, these are not mortals. These are people who, according to my faith, will live somewhere forever. Jesus died for this person, my savior, the person that, you know, that I am following. If, if that's what you do died for this person, I'm getting ready to stand in front of, does it change the way you treat them? It does for me. It does for me. And if I am dealing with a difficult situation, I will stop myself and remind myself this person in front of me is someone for whom my savior died, that this is not a mere mortal. And I need to reverence them regardless of what I see in front of me. So what benefit does going to church each week also help me on the weekends? For me, I am able to leave my fears and my anxieties and my imperfections and my flaws there in that building after some time in song and worship and learning. I'm able to shut everything away, reboot myself for the week so that I can start my Monday fresh. I come home feeling refreshed and encouraged. And so, I mean, that's just a quick little thought towards going to a building and what it does for me. Um, And then number six is a big one that we all need to take into consideration in our lives and is certainly something you don't have to be a person of faith to consider, but it is, I can't always control the outcomes. And I think it's really tough for us in this work because we want to control all the outcomes all the time. Because we know what that can look like, especially if if we feel like our patients and caregivers are going to follow our instructions from the physician and the, the medication regimen we're trying to give them. And we want to be able to control those outcomes. But there's freedom in realizing that you can't always control those outcomes, that you're not able to control that. And if you're a person of faith, that God is the one who can control those outcomes, right? If you have that belief that it's not our job to reach in and control everything. And I think that's one of the challenges that we face in hospice because we're stressed for the family. We, this is a heavy job, right? With huge responsibilities as we go into these homes and help our families our patients and our caregivers navigate end of life for their loved ones. 
And we want so bad for all the results to be ideal. And that is something that can weigh so heavy on us in the evenings and on the weekends. And we have to stop maybe every single day when you get home and you're trying to decompress from the day. Remember, I can't control all of the outcomes. I can't. It's impossible. And I have to whatever you need to do when you get home, go wash your hands and stand in the mirror and say, I'm washing my hands from this day. And I have done all I can do for all of my patients. And so today is over and I'm going to engage my family now or whatever it is I'm going to engage for the night, whether it be a little bit of some show that you enjoy or whatever, it doesn't matter or your hobby. Um, but maybe you need a physical activity where, or maybe you get in the shower as soon as you get home and let that warm water wash over you and say, okay, I'm releasing my day. If you're a person of faith, pray that when you walk in the door, God, I'm releasing this day to you. And I would tell you that this number six is probably one of your biggest takeaways from the show today is that you can't always control the outcomes, right? Because you can't do this job 24 7 and be a control freak can you you can't because you can't be there 24 7 you can't be available to all of your patients 24 7 you have to be able to unplug and have your life but if you're not careful this job will become all you think about and when i think back to the email that ann sent me you know how do you release or balance the emotional weight of the job so it doesn't accumulate over time it's and i I hope that i've been able to answer that to a certain um to a certain level today in this show at least all i can do is tell you what i do right um i don't claim claim to have all the answers i think i my, my tagline is just practical help for your success and that's what i'd like to think that i'm providing here but this desire to control outcomes and to to spend our nights in bed looking up at the ceiling going is mrs jones going to be okay is this patient going to be okay um especially if you're brand new in hospice and in the first short period of you know the first six months to a year as you're becoming more and more comfortable this needs to become a habit that you develop early on in your hospice career that you you find ways to turn it off and you know Anna in the email you sent at the very end was spiritual practice and that is what has worked for me greatly over the years and has really helped me um, be more aware and cognizant of what I am doing and the kind of pressure I'm putting on myself Um, maybe this feels like a short episode I don't know some of the other ones are longer when I do interviews Uh, but I just want you to consider that, you know, how much control of the outcomes are you trying to have, or at least how much of the outcome that you don't know is occupying your time when you are not at work. And if you find yourself laying there thinking about all your patients, you're going to have those thoughts that are going to jump in your head. But do you entertain them or do you try to wipe them away and go, okay, I'm going to stop now. 
I'm going to stop because I have a team behind me that is helping me and I can't control all the outcomes that I'm going to have to walk away from this and let my team handle whatever happens over the weekend. And that's what we need to do. We can't control all the outcomes. So again, I just want to ask, what is your sacred activity? Maybe it's the same as mine and maybe it's something else. Why don't you call and leave me a voicemail? I would love to play some of those. We can make this a theme. Somebody can get an idea from you. The number is 816-834-9191. Leave me a voicemail. What's your sacred activity? Just call it right now. Call it. 816-834-9191. It'll go straight to voicemail. Tell me what your sacred activity is. Or email me at James at confessionsofahospicenurse.net. I'll read your email. It'll be fun. Well, hey, thank you for joining today and listening to the show. I hope it was beneficial for you. If you want to learn more about my specific faith, send me an email. I would love to talk to you about it. This has been Episode 8 of the Hospice Nursing Podcast for February 20th, 2022.